This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Welcome to Open Table. This is a show which wants to break down barriers. We want to build bridges and weave the fabric of a cohesive society. Welcome to another episode of Open Table. We are now approaching the end of the series, and I would like to end the series by offering you glimpses into conversations I have had with Rebecca of Giving Seeds of Love, Simone, known as the Flower Girl, and Morehu, who taught me the meaning of Kaitiakitanga. Today I wanted to talk to you about your story with giving seeds of love, you mm. know, the journey that you've had. So so tell us about what made you think about giving seeds of love. How did it all start? So uh, we kind of fell into it in a way because we had already been looking at making seeded paper with the kids. So we'd be, we'd had roots and shoots come into the school because I was volunteering at the school um, in Viraferns. And we'd been encouraged to seed safe and we wanted to create wildflower meadows for butterflies and insects so they had food because we're taking their habitats away. So my daughter, May, had been so motivated and we had biked around the community, stolen as many flowers as um, as I thought was appropriate and we'd planned to make the seeded paper. And so we'd planned to do it... Um, this weekend and obviously that Friday was the 15th of March and um, obviously we were not impacted like many of our friends but from a parent's perspective my children had had to leave, we'd had to run out of town so they knew that there was something wrong and then we'd called into school to get a uniform and um, we got locked down so I had to say to my children because they were locked down with 40 other children, you can't tell anyone um, and so that that had that experience of being locked down for a number of hours. When we got out, we just went back to my parents in Mount Summers. I just said to my husband, we, we're just going to get out. So that weekend, we did make this seeded paper, and I thought, oh, I really need to talk to the kids. Now's the time. And because my background is in social work and my background is supporting children after the earthquakes with anxiety, I had an idea of what I needed to discuss. So I checked out what they were thinking and feeling. I wanted to make sure that their understanding of the situation um, was was right because children, whatever they don't know, they have to make up and they don't have the context we have. So I needed to make sure that they knew that we were safe. And so once I'd found out how they were thinking and feeling, I gave them heaps of reassurance. But the other thing I said was that we were going to do something to support our friends. So... 
Then I had all these other parents that knew I was a social worker saying, hey, what do I say to my kids? And I thought, oh, my goodness. Imagine not knowing what to say, you know. And I think we should always, when we have that conversation with our kids, our values as a family um, need to be in that. But I think there's some key things that people needed to know. So a friend of mine, Jessie Kendall's got Empower Me Now, and she'd put out a really great list of tips. Um, And so I said, hey, can I put those out so that I can share them with people? So some of those tips were, for instance, turn the TV off. Your kids don't need to see the TV. As you know, there was just so much information coming out. And, you know, we forget that those little ears are are listening and those little eyes are watching. So I I thought what I could offer was a way of helping minimise the trauma because I think if we can do that straight away, um, we can we can really help our young people. Um, so uh, so that's how giving seeds of love started. Seeds of the songs is there's a song called Seeds of Love that I really love. So um, we couldn't call it that. Um, so we added giving to it. So giving seeds of love, and I love that idea of giving. Mm. So yeah, that's it, it. Launched a lady that I am yet to meet, um, who's a friend of a friend, uh, has done all the graphic design. She made a logo that weekend for us. It was just beautiful. Wow. People, people want to do something, and I think, I think United Canary Woman is the same, and lots of the work you do is the same, Hafsa. It's like an offering. We're offering people an opportunity to participate meaningfully, yeah. um, to show people, you know, their love and aroha. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and, and and it's it's amazing how you said that you know the the children were feeling and they needed to do something in in order to feel that they were heard and they were supported. Yeah. Because I still remember <clears throat> that conversation I had with mm-hmm. my son in the car coming back from school when once we picked him up and he said, "But why does anyone want to do such a thing to us, Mum?" Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm deliberately not using. The, the, the words related to hate because and I think that when we and similar to your project of giving seeds of love that mm. that also inspired the interfaith boxes of love project that oh, we yeah. did with interfaith and with my son being present when we were doing the packing of the boxes it made a lot of difference to him as well mm. he even drew on the whiteboard a little box with a love heart in it to say we were giving boxes of love, which was which was great because then it it showed how much it impacted our children, mm. isn't it? And I know mm. May and Ruby are constantly with you mm. across everything you do because. <laughs> yeah. And I still remember an advice one of the uh, members from the church gave me, and they said, "You have to get your children involved in all these." Uh, service projects mm. they call it service projects because the idea of service is greater in you know it's kind of significant in all faiths where they said if you involve your children in these service projects they will they will learn a lot more than you just sitting down and telling them oh, completely. to do stuff mm. so Definitely. so you know again that giving seeds of love was such such an important project and when you talked about it with when we met for the uniting canterbury event i was like Wow, that is beautiful. Mm. And I still remember how after we met, I sent out an email to you saying, would you be interested in working with us? <laughs> and I was like, would I? Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> so um, let's go back to, you know, you talked a little bit about the values that um, mm. that need to come through 
through these uh, through giving seeds of love. So mm. what are the values you strive for? I think we touched on one of them a little bit, and that's giving our children a sense of agency. So we need, um, and adults too, but I think more so for our children, they need to feel like there's something positive they can do or else they feel stuck in this really, really massive, massive issue. Um, it's It can be insurmountable when you think about how big this issue is. And so giving our children something they can do about it is really amazing. And it's such an easy thing to do, to make the seeds of love, to make the seeded paper. Mm. Um, so, you know, from a preschools to, you know, retirement villages, you, we can all participate in this. Um, so I love that. So for me, also, the environment is important. And I think um, we're all part of this universe. We're all part of this world. That's something that no one can take away from us. We all belong here. And we all need to look after it. So I love that there's that element in it. Um, and one thing, and you'll remember this, we teased, we really teased out um, what Giving Seeds of Love was. And what we um, decided was that it's about growing meaningful connections on our planet. So I, I want people to value diversity. And for me, it's meaningful connections. So along the way, I've met so many people I've, since starting give, Giving Seeds of Love. And some of them, it's been lovely to meet. And some of them, we have really great friendships with. You know, you and I have developed a really strong friendship. And I'm not saying we need to be friends with everyone, but I'm saying you need to be open to meeting people. And my life is so much richer for my migrant friends and my refugee or former refugee friends. You know, I just, um, there's so much to know and learn and share with each other. I think I understand myself more now that I have friends who are migrants from different religions and cultures, because that's how we understand ourselves in comparison to others. Um, so I start saying things now like, oh, well, in my culture, we do this. I was walking someone out to their car. This is what we do in our culture, you know. Um, so, but going back to values, um, I see I see diversity as a strength. And, and I think uh, as a Pākehā, um, I see and as a social worker, and, and as a, a local. So I've got a, I've been in this community for a long time. Um, I have something I can bring to the table. I can be an ally. And I don't, I think, I think we all need to stand up and do something. I think we all have an obligation to do something about this. It just so happens that um, I had a great idea to do something about it. And then I was invited to be part of Uniting Canterbury Women and then we've partnered to do things. And from there, other people have come along. So... I don't. I, I believe that the partnerships have been the most important thing in doing that, and I believe that's um, really important. Um, what else? Gosh, I could go on forever. <laughs> <laughs> so let, let's let's take. I, I know you started talking about the um, the journey you've had with giving seeds of love. Mm. How <clears throat> has it evolved over the past two two years now, perhaps? I, yeah, it really has. And I'd like to think we've given her enough space to be organic. Yeah, and I think, um, I know you and I have talked about some ideas we've had because we've got no end of them. And some of them we run with and some of them we don't. And that's that's good. Um, but I, I believe that at the start, again, that whole, the start was about trauma and trying to reduce it, trying to give parents um, some uh, confidence in how they support their kids so that their children feel that confidence in us because children are, are very attuned to how we are as parents, how we're coping. Um, so at the start it was that and then it it evolved and obviously we gave out over a 1,000 at the Uniting Canterbury Women event. Um, so then it was about just 
giving, 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 just just showing as much love as we could. And then we started with the workshops, and I think they've been really good. I've learned a lot in the workshops. I've learned that our best workshops are when we work with existing groups because there's some security in that. Everyone knows each other. It's about deepening their conversations. Um, I I try to, I will do some community workshops, but I, I, I believe there's real benefit in doing them with, like I say, existing groups. Um, I We've had the Unity Garden, and for me that's an example. I want to... I want to show an example of what people could be doing. You could grow a unity garden in a pot. You could grow it in your the front of your school. You could grow it in your botanic gardens at, in your city. Anyone could grow a unity garden. And so that's been a really cool exercise. It's been harder than I thought. I've been really lucky. Um, I'm using a space at, at East by East, which is managed by Life and Vacant Spaces. That's been, it's been really lovely to work with them. To begin today's episode, I wanted to start with the famous quote, Where flowers bloom, so does hope. This quote is attributed to one of the first ladies of the United States of America, nicknamed Lady Bird Johnson. Flowers is the common thing between this quote and my guest today, Simone Johnston, known by many as the Flower Girl. I met Simone when we were organizing the Uniting Canterbury Women event through Rebecca Parnham, who was on our show last month. Simone created the ever-so-beautiful Unity sign, which was unveiled at the event in July 2019. The sign has since been donated to the Canterbury Museum and has been on display a few times. Today I wanted to spend time talking to the flower girl, Simone, because of her beautiful work that has inspired us. Thank you for joining me, Simone. Thank you for having me. So the very first um, thing I wanted to ask you was, you know, just tell us how you became the flower girl. Uh, yeah, so I was actually born and raised in Germany. So I came to New Zealand about almost 13 years ago now, this year. And most of the times been living in, in Christchurch. Um, I travelled quite a bit over the years with my now husband. Um, we quite keen travellers, a um, bit tricky this these times <laughs> with COVID, obviously, and uh, we have a little one as well, So, um, but we used to do that quite a few years and quite a lot, so that was um, quite exciting times. And yeah, then we actually met overseas as well, um, back um, 14 years ago now, yeah. <laughs> in Barcelona, so yeah, we um, he's a New Zealander, so he brought me over basically, so I followed him here. Um, yeah, and loved it and stayed and, yeah, just started my life here, really. Um, yeah, and then we decided to get married. Wow. In 2016. Um, and that's when I thought about my flowers. And I didn't really like the idea of real flowers going off really quickly. Not so much a bouquet because you can dry them, but, um, you know, the table decoration and everything like that. So I didn't really like that idea. So I thought, oh, what could I do? Um, and that's when I started making paper flowers. I just thought I'd give it a go. I'd just try it out. And our theme was travel mm. <laughs> based on our uh, life. Um, and I just used um, old maps for my flowers. Um, 
based on you know travel theme and I like the recycling effect of that as well. So I made my bouquet, I made my bridesmaids bouquets, I made all the decoration on the table. Um, took a long time. <laughs> <laughs> it was quite a mission, but I got in the end. Um, I actually got some friends to help as well, um, which was quite fun. And it was really, really lovely because I still have people telling me they've got the flowers at home, that you know every guest could take a flower home. They've got them sitting on their shelves in the lounge, and they're just always reminded of that day. Um, they came to New Zealand, and my family from Jumi especially had something to ta- take home from that special day, and they still have it in their mm. houses. So that's, yeah, so that's how I started making the flowers. <laughs> I always kind of like liked craft as well and things like that. Um, and then people started saying, you know, you should just offer it to other people as well and see if people would like, you know, have it for their own wedding or for birthdays or anything like that. So took me a while to just like, okay, because <laughs> it's different if you do it for yourself or if you do it for other people. Um, yeah, and then probably a half a year later maybe, I just decided, okay, just give it a go. Started, um, yeah, just putting it on Instagram, Facebook. Um, and, yeah, since then that was Flower Girl basically born. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and, it, and it's interesting how you've you've chosen the theme of travel for your wedding, which, yeah. which must have been amazing. I can only just imagine having maps uh, and travel stuff kind of in those flowers, which would remind you even of your travel memories. Yeah, it was really, yeah, it was very interesting. And we had like tables with, you know, with different destinations we've been to. So one table would be Guatemala and I would, you know, have the travel flowers there and had a picture of us in Guatemala on the table as well. So we kind of like tried to incorporate it all. Um, and yeah, the flowers, the maps, because there's so much on the map as well, people actually started looking at the map and like, oh, this is <laughs> this is France and oh, this is there. And it's, yeah, it's quite, quite fun. Yeah, yeah and, and also the fact that you said that people still have them kind of shows the longevity that comes along with those flowers. Yeah, they just don't they just don't go off, you yeah. know. They might fade a little bit, um, but um, otherwise they're quite robust. <laughs> they yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's no, no waste really in the end, especially yes. if you start recycling paper. Yeah, yeah, and I think the idea around recycling paper is so significant, isn't it? And it connects with a lot of us when we think of trying to recycle paper and if what best to do with it and thinking of flowers is yeah. such a great way to do it. So I know you just talked about your Instagram page. Could you just tell us what it is so people who are listening to this can just go and follow you? Yeah, it's just Flower Girl Official 1. So the 1 is a number. Just, yeah, quite simple. Excellent. Right. So I, I wanted to now transition to where we met you yeah. know, the Uniting Canterbury Women event, and you did the unity sign. So I wanted to talk to you about that whole idea of the unity sign coming together and how it came from just from the idea through to, you know, the completion of that sign. Could you talk us through that whole process? Yeah, it was actually, it was only a few months, the whole process a couple of months but it just seems like such a big process Mm. (laughs) from start to finish so um you mentioned Rebecca Parnham earlier so I met her a couple of years before through our different businesses we've got with Fair Trade so she's got a Kumar Co Uh, I've got Mano um Mano Fair Trade so I support weavers in Guatemala she supports weavers in 
um, Cambodia. Mm. So that's how we met um, Rebecca and I. And that's, yeah, I think maybe a year or two before. And she knew I also made these flowers. Um, and then obviously in 2019, the mosque shooting happened. Um, I at the time, I mean, we just were shocked. Everyone was shocked. I think everyone was just not being able to comprehend what just happened. Um, and I went to lie, fly flowers down as well at the memorial site. And then I actually looked it up today because I couldn't really remember when Rebecca had actually approached me. But it was exact, almost exactly a month later, so mid-April, where I just got a message from her. And as Rebecca is, <laughs> just sending me a picture of floral flowers saying love, massive, huge. And she said, I've got a project in mind. Can we talk? You know, this is what I'm thinking, but in unity rather than love, would you be interested? So I looked at him and I was like, okay, wow. <laughs> that's big. That sign was huge, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's huge. So, but I was like, yep, definitely, let's talk, let's chat. So it took a couple of days, she came over um, and, yeah, just basically told me what her idea was um, to do something out of the paper, which was laid down in flowers, like real flowers. And that she collected all that paper already. She cleaned it all, which was amazing because that was a lot of work. <laughs> and she's like, I've got all this paper and I'd like to make something out of it. And I thought about you and the flowers and, you know, big sign and just trying to, you know, bring a message across and just, um, yeah, do something with this paper before it goes to landfill. And she obviously had um, giving seeds of love um, already going. But that was all paper she couldn't use. Mm -hmm. So it's all very, if you think about real flower wrappings, they're almost like plastic rather yes. than paper, which um, dissolves. So, yeah, so she brought a few samples over. And, I mean, from an artist's point of view, <laughs> I get quite excited about paper. So it's like, oh, my God, yeah, it's a great. And, I mean, the course was great. And I felt like, okay, I can do more here than just lying down a, a flower I can actually do something bigger and something more meaningful to the people who were affected by all of this. So, yeah, that's basically how the idea came. So, um, yeah, came up and I have to say Rebecca had most of the idea. <laughs> and then, yeah, she, she just left me the paper. She's like, have a look, see what you can do. Um, and just scrolling through my messages today between us, it was only a couple of days later I sent her photos. I look, after, after, I've done this. I, I tried this flower and look at this flower. She's like, oh, my God, I haven't even got any funding. I don't have anything, you know, I just haven't even started. And I was like, don't worry about it. Like, for me, it was never about getting anything for it. I just yeah. wanted it to happen. Mm -hmm. And I think Rebecca was, in the end, the same, that we just said, you know, this needs to be done and we can do it. So... So I started crafting <laughs> yes, and crafting and crafting. <laughs> so how many hours do you think you might have spent oh. with just the flowers? Forget the sign. We'll oh. come to the sign in a bit. <laughs> so I think I made about 250 or 260 flowers. Um, one flower, I mean, the start was a bit like trying it out, but then I got probably quite quick in making it. The hardest or the longest part took that that. For me, it was important they're all different because the whole sign represents diversity. So every flower is different. And that way I couldn't do like a, almost like a mass production kind of thing. 
<laughs> because I needed them to be different, every flower, if it was a different color or a different style or anything. So I don't know, to be <laughs> honest. <laughs> I know it took me about two months to make them. Um, and I made them while my son was napping. Um, mm. He's not a good sleeper, so I never really had much time during the day. In the evenings, like most of my evenings, just went into flowers. So probably from mid-April to the event in July. July, yeah. Yeah, I was on it every day and probably for more than two or three hours. Yeah, that's incredible, isn't it? So, yeah. But it was, it was I'm, I so enjoyed it and... My husband, luckily I've got him <laughs> because <laughs> I was like, well, I have no idea how to actually make the letters and how to get all these flowers onto a structure. So that's where he came in. And luckily I also have a father-in-law who is very handy. Um, so they got together and figured out the extra structure of this whole thing. Um, and so we discovered, okay, wood would be good to put it on wood. It had to be quite durable and mm. stable. Um, Rebecca got a uh, connection with Bunnings and got them involved. Um, so they donated some of the material, or most of the material actually. But it was all kind of like a process. So I think we had the wood maybe a week before the event. Yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so I wasn't nervous until probably the week before when we were like, oh my God, now we've got this wood and what we're going to do. But um, yeah. My father-in-law and my husband, they pulled it off. So they just, my father-in-law lives in Timaru. So he drove up. He's got a whole garage full of tools. So he brought his tools and they got to work in the garage. And every now and again, they were like, come have a look, come have a look. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that looks great. That looks great. I think that will work. Um, so we worked it out based on that. And um, I didn't actually have a chance to put them on until a few days before the event. Uh, I had them laid out in my spare room where I was crafting anyway um, but yeah I only got to put them onto the actual letters um, quite late and then I was like figured out I needed more mm. <laughs> because it's all you know you've got it all in your head and actually talking to Rebecca we had a slightly smaller size in mind and then when it actually was made <laughs> we were like oh no it's now it's almost two meters isn't it, it yeah it's 1.8 yeah. meters high and it's about five meters long yeah so it's <laughs> yeah, it, it is very big, and, and it yeah, it's been on display at the museum quite a few times. Which, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so uh, going back to this conversation, you know, and and I think that the, what what was really thoughtful about those flowers, and I still think about, it, is that, you know, how you incorporated the idea of diversity into that through by making every flower different. Yeah, which which is just amazing, and the fact that you made two hundred and sixty <laughs> of those. <laughs> it's commendable it's about... so I think the initial idea was roughly around 200 mm. I knew I needed that much but then obviously having the letters done and everything I was like oh no we need more and then, yeah but even while I was making them I kind of like associated different things with each flower so um, and then I had friends you know popping up and they're like oh this flower looks like could be out of Alice in Wonderland so completely random um, and then I have another flower, which reminds me of when I met my husband in Barcelona, mm. because it's, it looks very, the colors of flamenco and very Spanish. So it was kind of like, you know, I associated things with it. And then we had um, World Pride Day and I made a rainbow flower, which is in there as well. Um, just 
every petal is a different colour. So, yeah, I just started while I was crafting them, like associating different things and events with it, which was quite fun as well. Yeah, yeah. And and I think you needed a lot of motivation to do so many of those. <laughs> it wasn't <laughs> What was the source of motivation? <laughs> I think my motivation was, okay, I've got obviously this, like, this whole background of it, you know, from the shooting, what could we do out of what people put down, you know, that it was all support for the victims, for the families, um, from people in Christchurch and surroundings. And this is what I was working with. Mm. And I think that made it so special that, like, I never had issues with getting motivated <laughs> to do them um, because I always had this, you know, in the back of my mind, this is why we're doing it and this is such a important message to bring across that yeah we are all individuals we're all different we all have different backgrounds we come from different cultures we have different beliefs but in the end we're all the same we're all flowers yeah <laughs> we're all people yeah so. yeah no and i think that is so important because that's probably what we're trying to achieve here as well through the discussions we have on this podcast is about making sure that we are we we acknowledge that we are different yet we are part of the same fabric of yeah. humanity and trying to get humanity right. So I welcome Morehu. I'm going to talk today about uh, guardianship. So I hand over now to Morehu to talk more about this. And she'll be talking uh, in terms of how the concept needs to be understood. Welcome, Morehu. Mihi mahana hapsa, te kaihau tu o tēnei hui, mihi atawai ki a koe mō tō kōrero. Nei rā te mihi ki a tātou, kua tai mai nei i tēnei hui, kei runga i te hui topa, Zoom. Mō te kaupapa a kaitia ki tanga o te ao. Mauri ora ki a koutou katoa, Ngā kaiwhakarongo e ngā hau e whā, mihi mai, mihi mai, tauti mai rā. Ko wai au? E te tāho tōku māma ko Ngāiri Puluki, ko Rangitāne, ko Kahunganu, ko Ngāitara, ko Ngāitahu, ko Ngātiruanui, ko Ingarani, o ku iwi. E te tāho tōku pāpa, ko Whaiora, Henare, ko Ngātiparau, Ko tainui Ngāti Māhanga, ko Ngāpuhi Nui tonu moku iwi. Whakawhetai ngā maunga, ngā whenua, ngā aua, ngā iwi o tātou tūpana, o tātou whakapapa. Tēnā koutou ngā taonga o te whānau. Ko Morehu Fruiti, hinare, ahau, e noho anā hau ki o tautahi. Me oku whānau a ngaitahu. Me taku mahi te kairāranga, kaiako, o te wānanga o Aotearoa. He taku hāhi, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Hoi anō, kaitiakitanga, mō tātou tēnei kaupapa, tēnara tātou katoa. Ko te tua rua, ko te rua, Reo tuarua, ano, aroha mai. So, who am I? My name is Murahu. I am a mother of two, a grandmother of three, and a great-grandmother of one. 
and I feel my ancestors live with me. And that's why I introduced my whānau. They are connected to me. They live in us and in our descendants as a descendant of them. And um, there might be some listeners out there that may connect to me. I hope you do. And, uh, and are listening. And especially at this time where we're all in our bubbles. I also mentioned that I love weaving. I'm a weaver for the Wānanga. Especially love traditional and contemporary Māori Tonga. And I'm blessed to be able to teach others, and more especially to my hapu and iwis. I also love the teachings of our prophet, Russell M. Nelson, and he's the prophet of our church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I acknowledge everyone. I'm very humbled by being with you, Hafsa, to talk about this topic. And I'll kaitiakitanga. So my I've, um, explanation for kaitiakitanga is that even though we've labelled it as guardianship, um, that word has also been labelled by the Crown and the local government and some Māori, but it is also as resource management. For kaitiakitanga embraces social and environmental dimensions, human, material and non-material elements are all to be kept in balance. So the current use of kaitiakitanga has tended to emphasise conservation and protection. Above all, through um, everything that we talk about, the Māori philosophy emphasises that kaitiakitanga is a social environment ethic. While policymakers have given special attention to its relevance in biophysical resource management and its application is primarily concerned with social relationship, relations, um, it is definitely not limited to that. Kaitiakitanga ref reflects a literal interpretation, but the concept has many, many dimensions. Most importantly, um, our, resource, our resource management, which is important to me, uh, being a weaver, uh, weaving materials are all in the environment. They all come from Papatuanuku. And for myself, who teaches a tikanga for harvesting the materials, there is um, a special protection for us before we go and harvest and when we are harvesting. So that we are mindful of what we take. So we are resource managing, not just ourselves, but for the plants as well. Ultimately, uh, kaitiakitanga's context determines on the various shades of intended meaning. 
However, it's not only about management of the environment and of people, but also for us to keep, for keeping them in balance, both in time and in space. We gather, uh, the customary practice is to gather at the right time. The space is where the harakeke or pinal or uh, kiakia, raupal, there are many, many resources that we can gather. And we're mindful of where they are and their space, in their space, and in the time, the season that is right to gather it so that it may keep in balance and produce more as a good resource for us for weaving. Um, the customary framework for giving relevance to kaitiakitanga is whakapapa, a structural principle which weaves together a triadic relationship between human beings, their environment, and the spiritual realm, hence the karakia, hence the, that we are in the environment of where our plants are, and we look after the environment that they grow in as a reproducing for us for the following season. The harakeke looks after us and we look after the harakeke. It works both ways. So reciprocity certainly operates to maintain a balance between all of the elements, between us and between the plants. A feature that um, perhaps distinguishes kaitiakitanga from other management um, regimes, because we have this two-way relationship, and it exists uh, and involves obligations to give, to receive and um, pay back or repay, and it's a re relationship that can be likened to a type of double trusteeship between kaitiakitanga, or kaitiaki, between us, sorry, and the resources. And there are many other defining and intended shades and meanings, but this is the one that's important to me as a weaver, even as a mother, for now we're in our bubble, it's important for us to have looked after the land and to have grown a garden even to help um, gather kai from the garden so that we can have enough food and kai without um, having to go too many times or at all to the grocery shopping. Yeah. I um, know that uh, we are protected and our rights are protected by the Article 2 of the Treaty of Waitangi as well. However, Māori have been guaranteed certain treaty rights. And while kaitiakitanga may be a basic principle in all kin groups, resource management and development, um, especially in development for making policies. And we have a structure within the tribe 
we have rangatiratanga and kaitiakitanga. And those rights need to be acted upon by Māori and by non-Māori. So fostering again relationships with one another between our kin groups on one hand, we also have the Crown on another, and local governments, um, just love living in Ōtautahe, the Christchurch City Council has been so wonderful to us and very guiding in our um, ability to be able to harvest harakeke, look after places for, for them and look after it for us as well. Very supporting, it's been very supportive here. Um, furthermore, I think uh, it's been uh, such a cross-cultural uh, context where kaitiakitanga first gained prominence, especially for uh, marking Māori ethnicity. I, I, um, I know there's an order to everything and a process. I feel that as a tiaki or a carer, a person who cares and a person who affes, a person who loves and looks after other people. It's so essential now and we have especially been asked to pray for those caregivers that they may be safe giving essential services to so many other people. I really feel that at this time. You've been listening to Open Table on Plains FM. You can like us on Facebook and join the discussion. Podcasts of this series are available on Spotify, iTunes and the Plains FM website. Open Table has been made possible by the efforts of Lady Khadija Trust with funding provided from the Office of Ethnic Communities. Thank you for listening.